0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and it's great to have you here with us today. And even if you have done it before, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. So with that said, let's get on with today's show. There's a business trend that I'm seeing more of, and it was happening anyway but it has been accelerated by COVID and social distancing and people looking for new ways of living and working to avoid burnout. The trend that I'm talking about is that more salons are looking at charging by time as opposed to charging for the specific service. My guests today on the podcast are two sisters who are also business partners, Vicky and Jane, from award-winning salon Reed here in the UK. I'm really pleased to have them on the podcast today to get the opportunity to dig in deep about everything to do with charging by the amount of time and not for the specific service. Reed here made that transition a few years back, and they haven't looked back since. And on this podcast episode, they're totally open about what was involved in making the change. In today's podcast, we'll discuss the reasons behind why they changed what the challenges are, if any, for owners, staff and clients, how to work out your hourly rate and the impact that it has on profitability and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Vicky and Jane.
1: Hello. Hi, Anthony. Hello. Thank you for inviting us.
0: Oh, no. Thank you for being on. I'm I'm really looking forward to this. I know you're going to have you know, so many good things to uh, share with our audience. So uh, I want to start off by saying thank you so much for giving up your time and being so, uh, so open and willing to talk about your business and particularly about charging for time, because that's going to be you know the focus of our entire conversation. So be, before we we jump in and start talking about that, um, I want to just start off with the way I start off all the podcasts, and that's by getting my guests to introduce themselves and you know basically uh, a, a quick overview of your background. So who are Vicky and Jane? Just give us your two minute backstory.
1: Okay, so I'm Vicky, and I own the salon with my sister Jane. Um, Retail has been; it will be coming into its 15th year in January, um, and I don't think we've had one fallout in that time, which is absolutely <laughs> wonderful. So um, we started on our; uh, we, we uh, our salon is in a lovely market town um, that we opened, as uh, say, 15 years ago. We was a very small salon, um, just with eight stylists. And after 18 months, we rebranded and come up to the biggest salon that we're in now. We're over three floors and beautiful Victorian building. And and we, you know, happy to say that we are still growing.
0: Fantastic. How many people have you got on your team?
1: At the moment, we are probably on our low side. the, The biggest that we've had our team is 30. We are probably sitting at about 22
0: at the moment. Right. Is that because of COVID, or you sort of yes. shrunk a little bit anyway? COVID.
1: It's
0: yeah, a lot of movement through COVID. Yeah. 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 Right. Okay. Well, I, I want to start off by saying congratulations. Uh, 15 years, uh, sisters and business partners, and no fallouts. What's the <laughs> what's the secret? What's, what's what's a you know secret to a harmonious you know relationship like that?
1: Well. Sorry, I, I think we know what our own niches are really, and we've known that from the start. You know, I think Jane is very much the business side and the money crunchers, and I'm more of the creative and the education. And we've just stuck with that, you know, left brain, right brain, that sort of thing, and it's worked for us.
0: Great, fantastic. We've
1: always had exactly the same vision. I mean, right from the early days, creating sitting around our kitchen table, we've just from the off that we just had exactly the same ideas, the same vision of where we wanted to go. So very, very rarely do we disagree on anything.
0: Right. Okay. Fantastic. Right. Okay. So as I said uh, at the intro, um, we're going to focus on talking about charging for time. So. Um, And you have, you know, I know that you've spoken about it at other industry events and been interviewed and talked about it. So I want to sort of dig right into that. I want to start with, obviously, the first question is, is when did you decide to make that transition? Because before that, you were charging by the service like everybody else. So so what was the catalyst? Uh, You know, so when and why did you decide to make that decision at the time?
1: So we're going back about six years now. Um, We used to obviously have regular team meetings and annually we would put our prices up. And every time we put our prices up, I had this thing about um, trying to simplify the menu because it used to, I've just, I've got a a bit of a pet hate for hairdressing menus. I think they're overcomplicated. I don't think clients have a clue what the different services mean. So every time we changed our prices, we, we just tried to sort of word it differently, simplify it differently. And during the meeting one day, we was, I was with the team and I just said, do you know what? I don't think I really need to know what you're doing. We've got a dispensary full of tints, full of, you know, every product you could probably need. So why, why do I actually need to know what you're doing as long as you know and your clients know? we just need to know how much time you need. So we started um, sort of thinking like that. I think at the time, colour was becoming more creative. Um, You know, it wasn't just your Bob's standard highlights and your roots tints. Every client, you know, the colours were sort of more bespoke. So at the time, we did know that obviously Toby and Amanda from the chapel worked very much by time so we got in touch with them they were absolutely lovely invited us to their salon and the minute we walked in their salon we could just feel the difference um, the more relaxed atmosphere the, it just felt very professional it, it just felt amazing um, so we went along thinking that we was going to do this charge for time for colour and we came out thinking that you know what's stopping us from from doing it completely with the cuts as well this coincides with a time when we was really really struggling to get apprentices um we live in a beautiful town it's a market town but we haven't got we're not on a train line um and for whatever reason and i know we wasn't it wasn't just us but we were struggling to get apprentices and the quality, the calibre of the apprentices wasn't really where we, what we wanted. So, you know, we kind of went with all that in our mind. We were sort of already struggling. Our stylist was very, very busy, and our stylist was struggling with, I don't know, we had a big team, and I think we had probably three or four apprentices, where at, some, at one point we were just working with seven apprentices. So yeah. it, it just felt like it was having an impact on the business and the customer service. And... Um, you know that that just it, it it was just a combination of all of those things really and, and just wanting to change the business so it felt more um more professional more more relaxed more just just being able to offer the the clients something over and above that they can get anywhere else. Do you well, want to add yeah, to that? that is that we um our vision from the very start was to we both we both originally trained and worked in London salons, and we wanted to bring that experience um, to Morden, and and we did. But we felt that we um we it was as I say it was just getting too busy, too noisy, um, and we wanted that pampering and you know for them to come in and spend time with us. And we felt that it was just all running away from us, you know, we wanted that London experience in Malden and I didn't feel that they was getting that anymore, you know, we were just an extremely busy um, salon and we just wanted it all to calm down and to take it all back. And, and so that's where it all started really, the rebranding of of um to go over to the time. We wanted to re- reduce our flight numbers, which is, which is crazy. Who wants to reduce mm. their flight numbers? But we needed to do that to, um, to, to, you know, to create the atmosphere that we wanted to create. Um, so it was quite scary. It was very yeah, scary. that's
0: interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. Okay. Um, I just want to jump in there and say Toby and Amanda, who you mentioned uh, from the chapel there on episode 98 of the podcast. So for anyone listening who wants to to check that out, uh, uh, just go back a few episodes and listen to episode 98 uh, with Toby and Amanda from the chapel. Um, so, yeah, now that I've, I've sort of uh, qualified that lots of interesting things that you just said there. W- w- one of them was that, um, you didn't like salon menus. And I under, I totally get that. I, I think that a lot of salon menus, they look like a menu in a Chinese restaurant. Do you know what I mean? There's so much there. There's just so much choice. And you look at it. I mean, I look at it as a former salon owner, as a hairdresser, and I can't figure it out. You know, so yeah. God knows how anyone else can can figure it out. So, you know, I understand the, the um, you know, the thinking Um behind that so you know you decide that this is what you're going to do you go along and you you see it working in their salon and also you feel the impact that it's had on the environment that's also an interesting thing and then and then you said that that you actually wanted to reduce the amount of clients you did i mean that is a big step so what i want to ask you about is did the sales figures drop or was it a case of doing less clients but getting a higher average docket and more services out of each of those clients? What, what was happening there?
1: The, the, the revenue absolutely didn't drop. We couldn't – you can't, you know, you can't change a business model with the revenue dropping when you've got the same amount of staff. Um, you know, you could look at um, there's certain costs that are reduced, Um, Because you're not doing the same amount of clients, um, you know, the stock, um, the colours and everything, everything's going to be reduced by reducing client numbers. But if you Hmm. can keep the same, then obviously that's more profitable for the salon and, and the team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't expect you to have all the numbers off the top of your head exactly, but um, it, the revenue didn't drop. But the amount of clients did, but by how much? Ten percent, twenty percent, five percent? What would you guess?
1: Um, oh, goodness me, no. we're going back six years now. Um, I think it was something like
0: twenty percent. Wow, um, so quite a quite a significant. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was, was some of that because the clients didn't like the change
1: um, no it wasn't it you know you know we thought what happened was is that we decided that we wanted to do this we um, obviously run that by our team and I can go on to that a little bit later but we felt that we had to educate both of our team and the client so yeah. it Six months in planning. So this is why we're a little bit different from salons that open with this business module because we had to transition this. And that was the the very difficult part because we had to drip feed our clients that something absolutely fantastic was going to happen. But especially for a colour client, they maybe be charged £30 more on an appointment. Um, and 30 pounds of that was sitting, waiting for their colour to develop. So, you know, you really had to educate the client that, you know, this was going to be a, a, a wonderful experience. So, you know, we drip, drip feed them for about six months. We done a big marketing campaign. We, um, you know, brand, we had a clock ticking on our website, so they knew what was happening. Um, We then closed the salon for two weeks and had an enormous big rebranding, refurbishment, you know, even down to the smells, the aromas, the – so when they come back, it was a big wow factor. It was, um, you know, an experience. It was Mm -hmm. an experience for them. And we shut the salon on Christmas Eve and we didn't know if our clients were literally going to run for the heels and never come back again because you know we, they was having to spend more money for the same service in their eyes, yeah. yeah. But they didn't, they didn't They'd come back, you know. Yeah, we what we did drop numbers, but we want we we dropped the numbers that we needed to. What when we didn't actually lose clients as such, it's just that, um, we could only fit so many clients in, um, you know, a stylist. Some of our stylists could see three clients in a day and be fully booked. Yeah. So there's only so many clients that we can physically fit in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're Doing what I call the conveyor belt hairdress, and they're not doing clients in between clients. Yeah. We have an hour for a cut and finish minimum. Um, if they want an hour and a half, they can have an hour and a half. It, it, it doesn't matter. So you know, as long as it's communicated to the client, you know, sure. for clients. The client's got three heads a pair and they know that they're gonna. They need a long time. They're happy to pay for that, yeah. you know. Um. So yeah, so so we did drop in our client numbers on a weekly basis, but we didn't actually lose that many clients. To be perfectly honest, they just needed. They, they just had to wait longer to get in with
0: us. Right. Okay. Uh. So so for our non-English audience, thirty pounds. Um, is equivalent of about 60 Australian dollars or U.S. It's about 45 U.S. dollars. Um, So just to to give that some context. Um, uh, That's fantastic. I'm scribbling down lots of notes here. Um, So I'm really interested in that transition. Like, And I loved what you said where you said you you put a countdown clock on your website so that they knew it was coming. Um, How did the... How did the conversation go? You said it was six months in the planning. You know, was it a big sort of marketing thing? Was there a lot of written collateral? Were you sending them stuff, or was it just verbal conversations while you were cutting their hair, or you know, at the at the front desk on their way out? How did how did that work?
1: It was a bit of everything. We it was um, we didn't give loads away. You know, we give them little snippets just to excite them um, and. At, be- at the very end, it was verbally, so that we would talk to our clients right at the end. It, we didn't want to do it six months prior; they wouldn't have understood. We yeah. needed to they drip feed it to them over over a period of time. But right at the end, it was verbally, yeah. um, and and by that time, they had started to understand what they was going to be coming back to.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. And-
1: it would be completely different
0: to how they how we left it. Yeah, and you said that you closed the salon down for a couple of weeks. You did a complete refit and a rebrand. Um, that's interesting. Did, was it was it a change? You know, again in line with you said you lost you know maybe twenty percent of your clients. W- were you aiming for a different target market, or, or did that sort of happen as a byproduct of doing this? Did, did the sort of clientele you attract change?
1: Well, do you know what? We've always welcomed all people into the salon, always. But yeah, we do have to have. A, I think everybody has to have their target client, and we um, are quite. We are a high-end salon, and mm. so we do attract that sort of client. But that's why we wanted to change it because that was just drifting away from us. We wasn't mm. high-end anymore because we were too busy. We couldn't give that customer service. So that's why we wanted to change it. Um, and it was it was scary and it was a big risk to take, but we knew by then what our client audience was and what they needed and what they what they wanted. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, all of our clients pay by, you know, time now. So that would mm. be like a, a gent, a lady, you know, um, or a, a three-year-old child. So they choose if they want their three-year-old to come in here and pay what, you know, a um, a, a woman would pay, you know, they're they're paying for that hour. Right, okay. So that choice, I think going back to the sort of transition, I think it it felt like we was closing down one business and opening up another, and I think... that and I think the clients felt that. And mm. I think they needed to because it was completely different. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, you can't close a salon on a Friday and open up on a Monday and charge an extra 30 quid for a colour. You just can't do that. Yeah. But for the, literally walk out of one salon and walk back in a few weeks later to a totally different salon, everything, everything had changed. You know mm. down to music, the smells like Vicky said it felt totally different. And that went for our staff as well. They come back to a new business. Mm. Mm. I mean, we told our staff again. That was another 6 months process for them. Mm-hmm. We all went round to Jane's home, and we invited them all round. We all sat at the table and had a pizza and drinks and things, and we explained to them what we was going to do. And we did have stylists say literally one run into your garden from my ears because they don't <laughs> understand how they would make as much money with less start, but with less clients. Right. So, okay. that's why, you know, and they also had to work slower, calmer.
0: Mm. They
1: had to go you know, not that 45 minutes. And some of our staff, some of our stylists, that like that buzz and that treadmill, they, we did lose them. We did lose them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, the, you know, that's the risk that we had to take. Um, it was only one, wasn't it? It was okay. just one, just one. Just yeah. one. Yeah. Um, and the rest, you know, they come back and for them, it was like coming into a different business, a different okay. working environment. Yeah.
0: All right. So, so what was the biggest um, challenge for you? as as owners looking back at this, what was the yeah, the biggest challenge?
1: I think getting the staff on board unless you put your team on board, you can't do anything. And Vicky and I have always always worked with our guys. We value their opinions on on opinions on anything everything. And we've always been very very open. We always tell them what we're going to do before we do it and we ask for their advice. Mm. you know no one knows retail like our guys know retail. Um, so I think that was the challenge to get them on board. And it was scary for them. People don't mm. like change, you know, love it. But most people, stylists don't like change that, you know, they might just got a mortgage or, mm. and, and it was scary, you know, and not only that, we was, um, it, they was going to have to be sweeping up, shampooing, emptying the dishwasher, doing the towels. Mm-hmm. Um, it, their job role changed completely. Um, right. but I think ultimately it was the fear of the unknown mm. um, very 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 soon after I mean by the time we opened they was all completely up for it we spent yeah. so much time talking to them any that were particularly nervous that I went round to the house and we sat and we number punched and we, we their charge per hour we pretty much worked out yeah. between us what mm. they you know they know their clients they know what they need to earn um, you know, I mean, the, the most basic way to to work out your a stylist charge per hour is to find their busiest week, see what they've taken in that week, and then that divide that by the amount of hours that they've worked. And that gives you a starting point. Now, there is, you know, if we're talking about pricing, there's, there's a slight, one of the most difficult things with regards to clients is, you will find most salons, say for an hour's work of colour, will be a lot more than an hour's work of cutting. So they might charge, I don't know, £90, for an hour's worth of highlights, but say £50 for a cut in an hour or 45 minutes or something. So it was really, really hard. You know, you've got your colour up here, down here, and to try and marry them together so that it's going to be, say, £50 an hour, whether it's a cut, colour, whatever, or £60 an hour. That that was a bit of a challenge with regards to, um, to clients. Um, but with regards to stylists and their charge per hour, we, we literally crunched the numbers together and worked it out on what they felt comfortable with and what they felt their clients would be comfortable with. Um, and... and you know you instead of sort of looking at numbers now we just look at how how busy they
0: are how, yeah. many, how many hours they fill yeah okay um, so so that was a very interesting formula you said find the busiest week and let's say they've done 2000 pounds or 2000 dollars whatever it is in yeah. that week and yeah. they worked 40 hours that week so you divide yeah. 2000 by 40 you come yeah. up with 50 dollars yeah. or pounds an hour so that was essentially the formula but that's then you- yeah that's 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 very interesting okay but then as you said what they might generate in an hour for cutting hair versus what they might generate in an hour for color were two different numbers so you had to was it a guess where you'd sit in the middle what felt right how did how was that worked out i mean a guess um, initially and then a fixed number i th-
1: i think it was just kind of number crunching i remember obviously it wasn't so much the colours that were going up too much, it was the cuts, because we were having to bring the cuts up. <laughs> initially, um, we, we used to do like um, an instant treatment with a cut and finish, that would maybe we would normally sell at sort of £15. Pounds. So we kind of, um, you know, because it was instant, it wasn't taking up any time. So we could increase that into a cut and finish. So we sort of added value to a cut and finish, So from a client's point of view, that kind of felt a little bit, you know, a little bit better. Um, So that that helped us transition the clients over um, from, you know, to a higher rate.
0: Right. So you had a beforehand you were charging – tell me if I've got this right. Beforehand you were having 45-minute appointments and part of this transition was everyone went to one-hour appointments. Yes. Yeah? yeah? And am I also right in saying, I've sort of read between the lines with this, is that you no longer had assistance at that point? So part of the new reopening was there are now no assistants. We all clean up, we all make the coffee, we all do the laundry. So yeah. did you have to get rid of assistance or was that just the natural? Right, okay. A... So we always had um, a lot of assistance. We had a training
1: yeah. academy we was affiliated um, to a training academy. And um so we had a you know 12, sometimes 12 assistants at a time. So you know this was a, a big thing that we had to get right. So yes. but at the time it it worked that we wasn't getting the assistance through. The children at the time the, the students couldn't come out of school at 16 anymore and that was right around yeah. about the time. So naturally, we wasn't getting them through. So the really, numbers had really dropped, really dropped. So we didn't leave any of our guys in the lurch, any of our assistants in the lurch. And what mm. we've done, that we the ones that were left, we made sure that we got them other employment. So none of them, you know, it, it was done very, very...
0: Uh, sure.
1: Training continued uh, a bit with other salons, so so no, we we but we then reopened and we didn't have any assistance then, so yeah.
0: Right, and could this system of charging for time could it work with assistance or not? Um, any reason why? uh, There
1: wouldn't be. I think. Oh, I don't know, actually, I've not really thought about that. I mean, the the stylists, when they've got a colour on, they've got a certain amount of time. While the colour's developing, they've got that free time. So, yes, they might have their lunch in that time, but generally they're they're sort of either writing their notes up or doing doing assistant jobs, really. I mean, we all all lucky. Sure, yeah. We we all do it together. It's never, never, ever been a problem. Yeah, I don't know. Mm, Really? We never give that a thought, really, because that's the way we wanted to change, and we just see it as a really just going back to sort of why we didn't work with assistants. I think we just felt that um, the client we really wanted the clients to have an experience just as a one to one with their stylist. So, from the minute we walk in, we wanted them to, you know, there's nothing nicer than shampooing your own client and looking at the condition and scalp like you would normally, but. You know, it, just having that journey from start to finish um, is really nice. And and I think with creative colours, for the guys to be able to do their own toners and things like that, mm. that's really, really important. We were sort of getting to the point where we had youngsters that wasn't really where, you know, the colours that so creative.
0: Yeah. We
1: were with the youngsters doing some things that... So, so we just... We just wanted the experience to be between the stylist and the client and no one else.
0: Yeah. Okay. I remember what I was going to ask you. It, it was about processing time. So okay. the hourly rate includes processing time or is processing time a separate entity?
1: No, it, it doesn't matter, Anthony. If they're in the salon for three hours having their hair, hair coloured, that's what they're paying for. Right, okay. So the process okay. just becomes all part of that.
0: Okay, and so that then leads me on to to the next question, which was what what was the biggest challenge for clients getting used to this, you know, new system where they're going to be charged more? Um, yeah. You know, what, what was their sort of challenge? What were the frustrations or problems that came out of it for them?
1: They had, They didn't have any frustrations. It wasn't a challenge for them. It was a challenge for us to educate them. By the time that they... We reopened, they knew exactly what was going to happen. They knew that, you know, the word time had become such a big part of our branding, and they knew that they would be charged for the time. And and that's what we were selling them, you know, we were selling them time, exclusive time with their stylist. You know, yes, they did have their um, you know, they You did have your 45 minutes of development time. But, you know, the stylist was never sitting on their shoulders. Don't get me wrong. They're not going to sit there with them constantly. But they're backwards and forwards. They're checking on them. They're planning. They're making, you know, they'll get their iPads out and things like that and, you know, plan their journey for the next six months of their, you know, their hair journey. They knew that that stylist wasn't going to go off to do another client and they wouldn't Mm. see them again. The colour had, you know, had been washed off by Junior. That stylist is with them the whole time, monitoring them, you know, and that that is what they was paying for. So it wasn't a change for them because we'd educated them beforehand. Mm -hmm. That was the change for us beforehand. Once we reopened, every it was black and white. They all know that, you know, they come and a new colour client comes in for a complimentary half-hour appointment. So in that appointment, they will go away and know that when they come back, they will be in the salon for three hours. This is what they're going to have done to their hair, and this is what it's going to cost. No hidden extras. Um, and, you know, they, that's what they want, they wanted, and it, it, it just worked perfectly. But through a lot of planning on mm. our end.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did you have to um, tweak things and change things, you know, like two or three months in, sort of go, okay, well, this is working, that isn't. Were there any sort of changes you had to make to hourly rates or times that you were uh, allocating?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we increased the hourly rates um, quite a bit in the first few years, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, We just felt that we could. Um, We've got different criteria that the guys have to meet. Um, so yeah, so we kind of stay it started with a baseline and then we was able to sort of get them up. Um, so yeah, but but nothing major. It just worked. it worked
0: yeah. do, do you have a a policy now of we increase the alley rate every twelve months, or is it is that not the the way that works?
1: No, we don't. We have different levels yeah. and we'll, um, we um we're kind of. You know a lot of our guys are around 55 to 60, 65, um, 70 pounds an hour. We've got some youngsters yep. coming in 45, so they would just go up to the next level once they've, they've met that. You know, our criteria.
0: Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come to you about the criteria later. Um, so what was the biggest challenge for the team? I know you said when you you know, they came around to your house for a pizza and a glass of wine and you explained to them that someone ran out crying into the garden. Uh, so obviously that's the challenge for them. And oh, you can understand that, but, you know, yeah. if they think it's going to impact on their income levels, because as you said, a lot of them married, they've got young families, maybe they've got children, they've got a really sort of tight budget. And all of a sudden they're thinking, oh my God, you know, we're going to be in trouble. I'm not going to be able to pay the rent or pay the mortgage or or whatever. So um, what, what was the, uh, the challenge for for them sort of adapting to this?
1: Well, again, I don't think it was a challenge because once we'd started it, they knew exactly what was going to be in their pay packet and Mm. uh, so they could, you know, we was in it then. And, what, you know, the the worrying was beforehand, you know, um, before we was, but once we got in it and we was doing it, then, but I suppose the main challenge for them was slowing down you know, rather than be on a 45 minute, um, you know, treadmill, um, it was the challenge for them was slowing down and knowing that they could be so much more creative, knowing Mm -hmm. that that point that was going to come in didn't want like a T-section or, um, so, you know, it's completely different for them that they could be much more creative, um, within their, within that time. One, Mm -hmm. One of the, used to hate, and I think this is a lot of hairdressers to say, is, is upselling, you know. So we used to, you know, back in the day, charge for a toner and charge for, for different things. And we just said to them, I don't care what you put on your client, you put whatever. You put whatever on your client's head. The clients are actually charged, being charged for it because, um, you know, a toner may take 15 minutes or half an hour and they will get charged for that time. Um, but from a stylist point of view, they're not having to sort of have that conversation at the backwash and saying, oh, I need to put a tone on. It's going to be an extra 20 quid. That's yeah. all done in consultation. I mean, you know, the client in the consultation says, this is what I want. This is what I want to achieve. And the stylist will say, "Yep, yeah, absolutely, we can do that. It's going to take me two hours. It's going to take me four hours. Clients don't need to know what what they're having, really. Um, they don't want to know the ins and outs of if they're up into a toner or, or whatever. They just want that finished result. And the, from a stylist point of view, they just need to know how long they're going to take. And, and that's what obviously our reception need to know.
0: Okay. Um, so so do you have a receptionist?
1: Oh, God, without a doubt. Yeah, we could not yeah. do. And they was so, so, so important mm-hmm. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we don't have a price list. We don't. There's not a price list anywhere. So it's all done verbally. Um, I mean, we kind of take it for granted now. Our clients just, come in and no yeah. one questions it. But in the yeah. beginning, our receptionist sitting on the sofa so much, just sitting, talking with the clients, explaining it. Um, But everyone, that doesn't very rarely happen. Obviously, new clients that come in. But I think a lot of people just sort of, it's understood how we work.
0: Yeah, so how does that go then with a new client? Uh, You know, a new client um, rings up and they go, oh, I'd like to book them for a haircut or a head of highlights or something, Uh, and then they say, so how much will that be? How much do you charge? How do you answer that question?
1: Well, if it's a straightforward cut-and-blow-dry, then that would Hmm. be an hour. Um, A new client actually has an hour and 15 minutes with us, but they only Mm -hmm. pay for an hour, 15 minutes complimentary. So that's, you know, the they would just be advised on what level of stylist they would like, um, and the receptionist would marry the two together. So that's you know, for a cut and finish, that's really, really easy.
0: Yeah. For a
1: new has colour, they will be explained that when or they'll obviously be explained it on the telephone, um, but they would obviously have a half an hour consultation um and it's explained in that consultation we, we normally start yeah. the conversation by saying we work slightly different different to other salons um and we charge our time and it all depends how long you have in mm. with our stylist um and it's one-to-one so it's explained from the off and, and like i say we just people just accept it now i think obviously in the beginning it took a lot of explaining mm. but even for new clients, I spoke the word gets round and people understand how we work. Mm. It's and, and our website, it's you know, we've got our story on our website as well. So yeah. you know we can leave people there. But it is, you know, a receptionist would explain all of that. Sure. I think oh. what overlook is how simple it is. It is so simple. You know, right. you just have by time. So from a client's point of view, however long they're in the salon, you, you know, it's 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 more simple than you think it is. And I think probably clients, once they get their head around it, it you know, they get it.
0: Yeah. So so you, you said, Vicky, at, at some point there, you said something about um, the team know exactly what's going to be in their pay packet. So does that mean that they're on like a fixed – hourly rate in terms of what they earn whether they're doing a client or not how does that work no,
1: and by that is that they was obviously extremely worried that they won't be earning the same as before so once once we had gone through that process and that we would had the first months working here and they got their pay packet and they see, well god you know i've earned either the same or more then yeah. that you know that relaxed them and you know the fear factor had gone by then yeah. And so, yeah, no, so, but, um, you know, now we're commission based. Yeah, so the guys do actually know what they're going to earn each month because we encourage them to work their figures out for themselves. Um, we sort of call them tracking, track, we have tracking meetings, they have tracking books. So every week all the figures go up on the board and we encourage them to work out their commission um, so that they know in advance. So by the time they're getting paid, they will know exactly what their commission, what they've earned. Um, each. With very transparent.
0: transparent. Yeah, with okay. very transparent. So, so, can you explain what the commission si- uh, system is, how that works?
1: So, they're on a, a obviously a basic um, mm. They earn up to a break even figure. They will earn anything between 37% and, yeah, sort of up to about 40%. Sorry, my brain's gone. And then if they are 80% busy, so, mm-hmm. so if they are working 80% of their time, then they get another 2% commission. So we're up to 43% commission on their takings. So right. there's targets of break even, which is obviously just what is higher, either their basic wage or their commission. Yeah. They all, like, always earn commission, but there is that little bit of a um, you know, a target to get their 80% and they get another couple of percent commission on the whole amount.
0: Right. Okay. Fantastic. All right. Wow. So much information, so much good stuff here. Um, so in terms of the time, is it to the nearest 30 minutes or the nearest 15 minutes? How do you, how do you do that?
1: 15 minutes. So um, a can't finish would always be an hour. They never, you know, they, if they go over the hour, um, they won't get charged for that. They, you know, the client will get charged for the hour. Yeah. Um Sometimes a colour might take less than what they was quoted for, but that would be deducted at reception when they check out. So right. if they were three hours and it only took two and a half, then that would be calculated at reception for them. And they know, the clients know that. They
0: right, know that. okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and so... When, you know, if someone comes in and, and, you know, they're going to have half a head of highlights or something and a haircut, whatever, you know how much time to allocate for that. What about, and so the client knows before anything started what it's going to cost. What about when it's a color correction? So it's a bit more complicated, not quite sure, it will depend what happens and how much it lifts and if we can pull out that, you know, box color or whatever it is. You know, how do you how do you work that in terms of warning the client as to you know you can say to them, look, it's an hourly rate, it's 70 pounds or 100 dollars an hour, whatever, and how many hours is it going to be? Well, I don't know, it could be two, it could be three, it could be four. I mean, you know, some of these colour corrections and balayage and all that can take four or five hours. So how do you handle that? I think
1: I think that could be the, the same in any however you work. You would never know. Um, I think the nice thing about it. Guys can, I mean, through experience, you know, our guys are very experienced. We've got master colour experts. But, yeah, obviously sometimes things don't go right. We tend to over, for something like that, we would book out more time than we perhaps needed. Um, you know, the guys would overestimate rather than underestimate. Yeah. Um, and, and we would sort of say the maximum time we would need is four hours, five hours but you will only be charged the time that you're in the chair. Um, but as I say, that could be the same for for, for anyone, you know, whatever, however way you, you do your pricing. You don't always know how. And it might be two or three visits to get to the achieved, you know, the, the required shade. Um, yeah. And for us, you know, it, it all depends. You're not going to work miracles, but we could spend – eight hours doing a client if that's what, what we needed, you know, Um, and you're not kind of adding up how many sort of tints and how many, you know, you're not having to sort of think about how much product you are using, and the guys don't have to think about that, which is nice. The big colour works is that client will know exactly what that's going to come to. Mm. They're not going to have a fit when they get to check out that, you know, Mm. oh, it's four or 500 pounds, you know, it's like, oh my God. They know more Yes.
0: In terms of male and female clients, uh, I know, I mean, traditionally, a lot of salons will still have, you know, a man's haircut price, a woman's haircut price, and they'll have the same amount of time allocated for them, which is just a, well, it's wrong at every level, legally as well. It's effectively wrong, so or, or it is wrong. Um, so, so obviously, you have the same hourly rate. You alluded to this at the beginning. Whether it's a three-year-old child or a, you know a man or a woman or a colour or whatever it is, it's charged based on time. Did did that present any problems for you? Because if you had the old system, which you may very well have had, where say a man was charged. I don't know, £30 for a haircut, uh, and a woman was charged £50 for a haircut, but you were then doing it by an hourly rate, the men's price would have increased by a lot more than 30%. So was that an issue for you? How did you sort of navigate that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was. And, you know, overnight we see that we didn't hardly have any children coming to the salon, Um, you know, and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're laughing.
0: Yes, <laughs> I always wondered what the key was for that.
1: <laughs> and um, initially, we may have lost some gents, uh, oh. uh, but as the years have gone on, now you know, gents' haircuts. You know, that you go into a barber shop now, and they'll probably charge as much as what we do. Mm. Um, you know, they the, the gents that we have in our salon they love it you know they love to have the beer they love to have you know time spent on them they don't want to they don't want to go into a a cheaper barbers if they if they did they wouldn't be coming to us yes they have 30 minutes or 45 minutes um whatever they needed so it wouldn't be an hour for the gents it could be but it's, it's not usually,
0: usually 45 minutes for. A, uh, all right. So, so it's, it's still an hourly rate, but because they're only there yeah. for 45 minutes, they're charged for 45, yeah. 45 yeah. minutes of the hour yeah. for a man's haircut. Well, or maybe
1: fifteen minutes. Yeah. So so each hourly hmm. rate is broken down by 15 minutes. So right, got 15 you. 15 minutes is for each hourly rate. And if it's an hour and a quarter, you know, for example – um. A roots tin would normally take an hour and a quarter. Right. Um, and then you've got your, your cut and finish on top of that. So the guy, mm-hmm. you know, the ladies on reception, they do as much as a lot of the colours are bespoke, you have got your core services that we know how much time it's going to take.
0: Yeah. So a, a, a man's haircut, you know, say my haircut, um, probably going to allocate 45 minutes for it. Now, yes. for, for argument's sake, the two of you have a very similar haircut and length to, to what I have. So yes. would you ever be booked for 45 minutes or would you always be booked for an hour?
1: We would be booked for an hour. Um, I mean, the reason being on that is that, is you know, a lady a, a lady's haircut, I think, does take longer than a gents, purely from the styling point of view. The actual mm-hmm. cut may be the same. Mm. But you starting point of view, it, it would definitely it would take an hour. We would we wouldn't do it in less. But we do, if we've got a client that um would only take 45 minutes,
0: we yeah. do, do you do do that, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, later, yeah absolutely. Someone with yeah. really, really fine, yeah. hair. really fine hair or you know, um, you know they want to leave it curly and if that doesn't take so by diffusing it, it doesn't actually quite take the hour. It will be 45. We don't want to do people out of, you yeah. know, yeah. really. But normally okay. it would an hour. But if it didn't, then they wouldn't get charged for
0: it. Yeah. Okay. But- now, um, one of the problems or, or the biggest, you know, you, you sort of alluded to this at the beginning where you said um, initially you were thinking of just doing it for colour. And I think that a lot of salons, they dip a toe in the water with discharging for yeah. time. I think they do it with colour correction already, a lot of salons. They they have some sort of way that essentially boils down to some sort of hourly rate uh, if they're smart on, on colour correction, otherwise they're going to get caught out. Um, whenever I talk to people about charging for time, it's always around the colour things that they start to become problems where there's all these, yeah, but what if? Yeah. What if, you know, it needs this and what if it needs that? And what if, you know, it's a tint, but you put a couple of lighter pieces in the front and, you know, there's always all these what if scenarios. And I know, I I know inherently that you're going to say it's really simple, but, but talk me through how you, you know, how you navigated that with your previous menu for color services for coming into an hourly rate, because there are all these what ifs about, you know, well, this one has a toner. And, you know, normally if a toner was was done on its own as a semi-permanent or whatever, we might allow 45 minutes, but because it's been done with the highlights, it's only going to take 15 minutes. And, you know, is it a toner or is it a gloss? And there's just all these what if scenarios. So sort of talk us through, that, because I get the feeling I make it a lot more complicated than what it need be and that there's some really easy solution to it.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it is easy. They just, um, you know, as I say, going back to what I said, if it's a new client, everything will be dealt with in the consultation. And if it's a regular client that um, that wants to change, and, you know, obviously our stylist rules looking forward, and they would say in that appointment next time, we will be doing this, and that's how long it's going to take, and this is how much it will be. You know, okay. I haven't got to do that today, but this is what we're going to do next time. So it's always discussed. It's, yeah. You know, it's, you, we just talk about it. We talk all the time. We don't say anymore, you know, right, so and so Brenda, when she comes in next with the receptionist, let's book her in for a half a head or something like that. We have a three-way conversation with our client, our receptionist, um, and the stylist. All three of them at reception discussing the next appointment. So this is how long I want. Um, this is what's gonna, you know. It's so it's. I uh, I don't know if I've asked
0: answered your question. Yeah, I, I I knew I knew that I was complicating it unnecessarily. Okay, I knew I were inherently. I just wanted you to answer that. And but, and essentially what you're saying is, look, forget about. Forget about trying to merge all that and factor all that in. It's an hourly rate, and whatever you need to do in that hour or an hour and a half or two hours, you do, and it's all built into the price. That's it, isn't it, in a nutshell?
1: Absolutely. As I said before, we have a a really, really well-stocked dispensary. I don't – anyone should go to pick up a colour and it's not there. I'm, I'm, You know, I'm quite passionate about that. And we've got so many different ranges, different colors. You know, if a new stylist come and works for us and they like working with uh, different particular things, you know, we, we get them in for her. So, and I don't care what they, you know, yes. if a if particular tube of tint is 50 pence or a pound more than than something else, I don't, I don't care. So, you know, it's going yeah. kind to of round 10%, isn't it? However way you work, you know, 10, 12% stock usage. And that just doesn't matter how, how you work really,
0: does it? Okay. Well, I'm going to challenge you on that. Um, ha- have you listened to <laughs> either of my podcasts? I did two podcasts. Uh, in fact, I've done three because I did one of them twice. Uh, I did one with a lady um, who has a business called uh, Salon Scale. Uh, her name's Alicia Soulier. And another one with um, Vish. And they are both these apps that they're different, but they're similar. And basically the Salon Scale one in particular is, um, they can both do this, but the Salon Scale one, the whole methodology behind it is about separating the cost of product and services. And and Alicia, who owns the business, she always uses the analogy of, if you go to the garage and you pick up your car and it's been serviced, they will say to you, It is 500 pounds for parts or dollars and, you know, 123 pounds or dollars for labor. And so they separate parts and labor. So the whole point of Salon Scale is about separating the cost of product to the services. So in other words, you might be walked to the front desk and they'll say it's $95 for the service and it's $17.50 for the product. So it's an exact thing. Um, Now, you're very blasé about the cost of the product, in there, and I'm, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, and so, what I was what wanted to ask you about was: is that because your hourly rate has built in a very comfortable buffer to absorb whatever it is? Is that essentially it? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and that's not something that I would want to. Uh, yeah, that's not the way. I mean. Uh, you know, with regards the, with the to clients yeah, yeah, paying yeah. something that I would want my clients to do. um, Yeah, and it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? You know, there might be a client that just has some bleach highlights um, as opposed to... And, and Roots yeah, it, Tints... There's always going to be clients where you win a little bit more. You know, the product costs are going to come to more than, than someone else that's got hardly any... Head. That's always going to be the case, isn't it? You know, there's no wastage I don't mind what they use yeah but I don't want to see products going down the sink or anything like that I think that works in you know not just for how we work I think that yeah. works with what I would call normal salons as well doesn't it you know you want, want you will win on some clients not we but you know yeah. you're going to use more products from one client than what you are another and it will just even itself out at the end of the week
0: Okay, um, I love what you said at the beginning, or at some point you said uh, how we don't charge any extra for for um, the product because you know it's built in. But hang on, how did you word it? You said, or you said, hairdressers hate upselling, hmm. and I agree with you um, that they, they generally they hate upselling, and so there's that uncomfortable moment wherever that where either they say. Um, look, I need to put another toner on your hair. It's going to be an extra 20 pounds or dollars or euros or whatever it is. Is that okay? So they either do that and that's an uncomfortable moment or they don't do that and the client gets to the front desk and it's more than what they thought it was going to be or they put the product on and don't charge for it and it's not been allowed for, allocated for in the hourly rate either. So by doing it this way, if I want to put a toner on, I put a toner on. If I need to mix up more colour, I mix up more colour. If I decide you your hair needs a treatment or an Olaplex or whatever it's going to be, and there are other brands than Olaplex, <laughs> um, then I can do that. Is that is that correct? Because hairdressers love giving clients everything, don't they? Yeah,
1: it's as simple as that, to be honest, Anthony. That's yeah. that's.
0: And that's from it. your I'm, point of, I'm, and I'm, from your point of view, you've just made sure that hourly rate is high yeah. enough to yes. cover all of that.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because they're gonna do it anyway. You know, they're gonna use they're gonna sneak on a toner, you know, and, and yeah. use the product and um even if you had set prices for a set of highlights or a, a tin or whatever.
0: Yeah. Okay. I,
1: more how colouring has changed over the last I don't know, six, eight years. Since it's become more creative, I think um, you know, I, I think it, it's it's obviously changed, isn't it? And there's a lot yeah, more definitely. product being used, and you know the creative color. You you can't always um, plan for what you're going to use, not yeah. particularly.
0: And so, hourly rates or not, not hourly rates, sorry, a level system. A lot of salons have used a level system for a long time in terms of haircuts. You know, junior stylist, stylist, senior stylist, whatever. But in terms of color. They've often had a flat system, you know. So there might be a level system for the haircut, but the colour is the same. You have a, a different hourly rate for different levels, yeah. and that applies whether it's color or haircuts. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We okay. have no hierarchy in here. All of our team, all of our stylists are stylists. They're yeah. not they're not graduates. Um they are stylists and the way that they go up a level is by um the criteria um and, and a lot of that is if they can't fit another client in their um in their column and they're extremely busy. Um and we have no ceiling, so you know our highest at the moment is 70 pounds for a cut and finish. Right. And that's you know, cannot fit in and, and you know she will then go up or heal. Per, you know, or up yeah. to seventy-five pounds. You know,
0: yeah. so that's how you do it. So someone on a lower price point, a lower hourly rate, the cost of colour as a percentage of their bill is going to be higher than someone who's on a higher hourly rate because you're paying the same price for the product regardless. Right. Okay. Uh, that's- well, that's interesting.
1: That would that, be the same in any hairdresser's salon. That would be that. That would be the same. Well, okay. So you said as long salons, as they
0: had yeah, different same. levels. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. So you said some some salons the, charge the same for color work.
0: Yeah, I mean, our, yeah.
1: we did our levels kind of incorporate before we worked like this. Um, our levels kind of incorporated the, the different prices. I don't see color. how a graduate stylist can charge the same. For
0: a color than what a, a master color expert in charge. I don't. I don't. Get yeah, oh no, I agree. I I I agree. Um. So with these different uh, hourly rates and the different levels that you have, um, you keep saying there's a criteria for them to move from one to the other. Is that criteria mainly around capacity or productivity level? And if they're if they're operating at eighty percent capacity, that is the tipping point where they get. Promoted to the next level, which therefore increases their hourly rate. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Obviously, we look at different things like rebooking and request rates and, and and retail. But ultimately, whenever you look at criteria, it all boils down to how busy they are and how popular they are in the salon. And if they're, you know, if you're fighting to get clients in with them um, on a on a regular basis, you know, and it's quite consistent, then then you you put them up. Yeah. Um that's the same for anyone, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so the, the ultimate question for the salon owner listening to this is, how does charging for time impact on profitability? As a percentage of sales, are you more profitable now than you were before?
1: Yeah, 100%. Because yeah. of how I explained earlier, because your outgoings, outgoing. I mean, obviously, we've all got our fixed costs that don't really change. But with regards to if you're if you're you know if you're taking the same amount of money but looking after less clients, then certain things you know your your the colour costs are going to be down, um, your refreshment costs are going to be down, the um, laundry, the laundry. Mm. Um, so it did increase the prof- profitability, and and it does continue to do that. But we have shared that with the, the stylists as well.
0: Mm. Okay. How do you mean that, if you don't mind me asking? By, by
1: putting wages
0: up. By, by doing what, sorry? By
1: putting their wages
0: up. Oh, by putting their wages up.
1: Right. They're, so they're, they're taking more money. We yeah. give them a high percentage now. So it's always been our aim to pay our team the most we, we possibly can. Um yeah. You know, I I feel that that's something that the industry should be really
0: working towards. Yeah, definitely, definitely. More so now than ever. I mean, you know, if you want to attract and you want to keep good people, you've got to look after them, but you've got to balance that with still running a profitable business. And and so, and you've found a a better balance that way with this. Okay. Um, Last thing then to ask you about is that if you're a salon owner listening to this and you're thinking, you know, and they are thinking, sorry, that, this is something I want to do. I mean, I think if they go back to the beginning of this and go through it, they'll sort of understand what the steps are. But, but what would you say the steps are to make this transition successfully? I, I think you've sort of said them right through the last hour, but if you had to boil it down to two or three key things that they must do, what would they be? Uh,
1: just uh, Just talk talk to the clients, talk to the staff, get everybody on board. Um, I'll just elaborate a little bit on that, is that a lot of salon owners um, with the um, apprentice, they might find morally that that's not the right thing to do. And that that we struggled with that right at the very beginning because yes. in now hairdressing is such in such a turmoil at the moment um, and we don't grow our own. And we don't train our own. And morally, we we've had a lot of salon owners coming to visit us, and they, you know, they struggle with that with not 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 bringing their own on. And we do mm. struggle a little bit with recruiting now. I must admit, it takes us a long while to, You know, we're not growing our own, so it gets it takes us a while to uh, get the right young stylist. Mm. But what we do do, we still train. Um, We still educate our stylists. We're very much an educational salon. But what we do do, and we're really passionate on, especially at the moment where um, the guys, through COVID, so no fault of their own, they've not got the training in their NVQ at the moment, and they're getting very frustrated with it that they're having to do another year, and they're not coming out probably as qualified as they would hope to be. So what we do, we source level two students that have just completed their level two, and we have our own varding program which can go up to six months, and we take them on, and we would uh, varder them and give them intense training. So we do feel that we give back that way, even yeah. though we um, so-called apprentices.
0: Yeah. Okay. So just for our audience, when Jane talks about, oh, sorry, Vicky. Talks about NDQ and level, level two. She's talking about the uh, training system, the government training system, basically, uh, in, in the industry in the UK. Uh, wow, that has been fantastic. Time has gone so quick. I've, I really appreciate it, having this time to, to dig in and, and um, you know, um. Uh, to ask you all these questions no matter how how blunt and direct (laughs) I am. (laughs) So uh, thank you for that. Uh, You know, I know some people must be listening to this thinking, God, he's blunt. (laughs) <laughs> so I just want to say to everybody that I I, I preface before we start recording and says okay if I'm asking you these questions and Vicky and Jane both said that we're an open book and please feel free to ask anything you want and we will answer everything uh, exactly you know as it is so so thank you for your uh, your honesty yeah. I really appreciate that so so where can people Check you out, basically. Where can they, you know, what social channels have you got? Instagram, Facebook, what's your website details so they can have a look at, at uh, what the salon's all about?
1: Okay, so we'll go with our website, and that is reedhair.com. Our Instagram is read underscore hair, and Facebook is just reedhair as well.
0: Okay, and it's is it .com or .co.uk? .com com okay and it's read r w e d yeah read here cool yeah. okay fantastic well I'll put those links uh, on our website grow my salon business in the show notes for today's podcast uh, if you're listening to this podcast with Vicky and Jane then do me a favor take a screenshot on your phone uh, and share it with your or to your Instagram stories uh, so to wrap up uh, Vicky and Jane from Read Here Thank you ever so much for being on this week's episode of the Grow My Salon Business Podcast.
1: Thank you for having us. It has been fun.
0: It has. Thank you. Cheers. (laughs)